Pop in right next to Smelly Me. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, Lawrence, go ahead. Hey, Smelly You. We doing it. Three, two. You're not well, lying. <laughs> it's a podcast. Welcome to a mm, an authoritative uh, d- bowl of dude soup. You put your ear next to it, a little wispies come in, and it tells you what to do. And then you tell that to police, and they don't believe you. Then you spend the rest of your life in jail. Lawrence broke again. Episode 16. Oh, okay. Uh, we have a special guest, again. Hi, guys. Hey, it's James. James hey. Willem Funhouse. from Funhouse. Glad you could be here. Uh, yeah, well, Thanks for joining us. How was the Travel. flight? It was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, they served, um, you know those those egg things that you can get at McDonald's? They're just like egg circles. Oh, I love circles. those. Egg yeah. and a ramekin. Yeah, yeah, they served those on the plane, so that was nice. Any good movies? I thought you liked the hot nuts. Well, I do. Then that which you told me you always fly American. I, I can get those nuts. anywhere. It's not specific I, I, to that well, that's airline. why you work on dude soup. That's true. Is to that's get true. your hot nuts. I dip them in the soup. All the double entendres are going way over my head. Uh, so Stubble Max, or subtle? Thank hey, you for joining us today. Thank you for having James. Uh, <laughs> Chief sanitation engineer of Rooster Teeth. I understand. You got that's, a promotion recently. I did. Uh, they let me take out the waste baskets and clean the toilets now. Oh. Dude. So I'm pretty excited about that. And they, even, they even gave me a brush. Ooh. I used to use just, you know, uh, spin on your pinky. And that's right. Whichever them. hand I shook your hand with it was the hand <laughs> I used. <laughs> but now I get uh, actual janitorial supplies. So it's great. Jealous. Yeah, you guys clearly don't have those here. No, we don't. It's no. a little it's a little crazy. We have harrowing tales of the Why bathroom. is there used Kleenex on every desk? That's kind of weird. Used Kleenex? Yeah. Well, uh, I just make that up. The camera can't see whether it's true I mean, or not. <laughs> so it's definitely true. I don't know if you've seen the sort of content we produce here, but I don't trust anyone else with my DNA. It gets I think steamy. There was one time uh, You shouldn't even trust yourself from what I've true. seen. That's why I get it out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this can't stay here. Take my gum. <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> I went to the bathroom once and the door handle fell off while I was on the inside. What? I was like, oh no. I had to like stick it back on and luckily the door was able to open, but I was making some plans that I would be in that bathroom for about a year. You should oh. never go back to that truck stop. There's a, hey, why is there a sign? There's a sign upstairs. And this is the first time I've been to this office, <laughs> okay. by the way. Yeah, There's yeah. a sign upstairs in the bathroom. Have you guys talked about this before? Do you know what it says? Is it the one about it says, don't drink out of the urinals? Oh, yeah. yeah. It <laughs> says, do not drink out of the urinal or the toilet. But it's because, not, because. Yeah. The water is reclaimed. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like someone wrote not, it. Not because of the duker. It's engraved, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, a it's engraved. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think it says like established 2015. Yeah. yeah. It's got some, you know, a nice border around it. It looks very tasteful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good lighting. <laughs> there's just some. I don't know. Some executive, some full screen executive a, lapping water. There's, there's, just, oh. <laughs> there's an Art Deco picture of somebody <laughs> just going to town in the toilets. <laughs> think about how many bathrooms you visited in your lifetime. And how many of those bathrooms had a sign to, that said, don't drink the toilet water? Um, just mine at home, I think. <laughs> that's the only you other know, one? I have to have a reminder for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Honey, stop drinking I the water. I get confused easily. <laughs> I also like the conversation that must have happened where they're like, let's use reclaimed water. And they're like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, you know As what? opposed to shit water. Recycled? People might want to drink it, though. Yeah. yeah. We should put up a sign. Yeah. yeah. Piss water. <laughs> Let people know. Free, free piss water. Uh, so to open up, uh, oh. open up discussion this week. First of all, we have a retraction. Oh. Around, but, oh. uh, maybe more of clarification is in order. So last week we discussed a story involving Konami and a video produced by Super Bunny Hop, aka George Weidman. Weidman. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Tune in next week for our next retraction. Yeah, Lawrence gets the name right. Uh, he actually contacted us. He was uh, very polite. We had a, a conversation about how we represented his story. So we have a few few corrections to make. Uh, first of all, he did have two sources. We said, he, or I said, he only had one. 
it gets a little fuzzy, and it also relates to another point I want to make. But uh, basically, he like it satisfied him the level of corroboration he got for those stories, so he was comfortable reporting it. It mm. sounded to me like he had two sources, only one of which was giving him all the information. Uh, he did not reveal specifics about the level of corroboration, nor does he need to. But uh, my understanding of it was that that information was coming from one anonymous source, which, in the eyes of Konami, could have been seen as slander statement because that person could have just been making it up to specifically harm Konami. Uh, that's what I meant. I wasn't accusing Super Bunny Hop of knowingly perpetrating slander. You've, you've discussed all this with him offline, and you guys yeah. have talked, and it's all good. Yeah, we talked it out. We had a nice conversation. You hugged it out. It's cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I also want to you know, make another point of saying he actually did a great amount of due diligence in pointing out that all that information was highly suspect and probably not believable. So uh, I think he definitely did his job. Uh, all right, so moving on from there. Uh, Matt, you do a lot of rooster teeth stuff, huh? <laughs> well, we've already covered my janitorial services. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm not sure you know, what can top that. I've been reclaiming water recently. Oh, boy. How's that going? Oh, I'm a little bloated. Kidneys <laughs> <laughs> are starting to swell. <laughs> yeah. I came out here to... Call that the may swell. To, to, you, you do that. That's you could, your job. You could probably sell reclaimed water as like a thing, like a gluten-free reclaimed I think water. You could, like, People would buy it. Evian Low reclaimed calorie. water. Yeah, well. <laughs> what if they just bottled it? There's, what's the deal with... You guys have no water in this state. By the way, yeah, it's all gone. And we yeah, have all of it in Texas yeah. now. Yeah, we're gonna need some. It's, yeah. but you can't have it. Did you bring any? Like a like a garbage bag full of it? No, but they're taking water out of the state at a crazy rate. With the the, the fracking, because they do all the bottling the water, and oh, fracking oh, too. Like bottling. there's there's a lot of bottled water companies that are here. And it's like, well, hmm. first thing maybe you do is like don't bottle water. Yeah, in California, and then ship the water out. To I I drink places. my reclaimed water out of my kitchen sink. Like that's I just. Honestly, I just refill bottles. I don't we, buy a bottle. I buy one bottle and I refill it for the rest of my life. That's it. His name is Stan. You have one. <laughs> uh, as, as far as California goes, um, like there's a lot of. Have you seen the new the trailer for the new Rock movie too? No. You guys San, follow, San Andreas. That's, yeah. that's yeah, a documentary. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it, the, you guys when are following, you go to see you're going to fall into the ocean. That is going to be happening. And then you, you fall yeah. into the ocean, then you're going to say, "That's where all the water was. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just salty." It it's was just right the plot there. of Superman, right? It's Isn't that what Lex, Lex Luthor was going to do? He yeah. bought a bunch of property in the desert, and then he was going to set off charges to no, cause earthquakes? No, he bought the property in the desert to bury the E.T. games that he made. Ooh, oh. Well, that's, well, that's what I, I don't see yeah. how that's a money-making Wait, Superman had a plot? The first one? Yeah. Jeez, I don't remember. Wow. I remember, I uh, was it Nuclear Man? Or that was from four. Quest for Peace. Wait, that's Radio, Star Trek. Radioactive Man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> um, Let's talk about video games, huh? No, I want to talk about the plot of Superman 4. We're well, yeah. discussing water shortages. <laughs> Why should we? Oh. So, uh, you know, there's Destiny DLC coming out this week, which we aren't playing. But uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is there's been this kind of sea change about Destiny on the internet. Is there? Yeah, it's really weird. Everyone could not wait to tell you how disappointed they were with Destiny when it came out. And maybe, some, maybe they've gotten mad at other things since then, but everybody seems to have really chilled on it. And maybe all the people who were busy having fun playing Destiny when it came out are now being like, actually, wait, Destiny's really fun, and I enjoy playing it. Mm. So I wanted to kind of pass that around and see what you guys thought, since, you know, we're in, we got a lot of shit uh, for saying Destiny was fun when it came out. How dare is, we? Yeah, right? Which is weird. Do so you think just a case of, of, you know, managing expectations, people thought it was going to be something that it wasn't? I yes. think that's a big part of it. Yeah, because they didn't say what it was going to be, ever. Uh, and actually, Adam pointed me to a, a documentary that Bungie put out when they left Microsoft. And uh, as far as I can tell, it was kind of their goodwill piece. 
they wanted to promise everyone that they were still bungee and they were still cool and they could still turn their hats around and rap. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of it, there's this like basically five minute semi masturbatory segment where they're talking about the next thing and how it's going to be so big and Bungie still cares about you and man, you just can't wait. And this is after Bungie telling you how awesome all of their other games were. So, and in like at the end, they just show the Destiny logo and that's it. And I'm thinking like if 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 I had grown up playing Halo, which actually didn't, you know, I was more of a PC gamer. Um, but had I grown up playing Halo and had this incredible association with Bungie, yeah. and then watched you know stuff like that and was just so amped up, and then what I got was essentially a pared-down MMO shooter, I would have probably been a little pissed off too. But I guess I had the luxury of coming at it without any preconceived notions and had a lot of fun with it. I, I was that guy who came, I you know, I played all the Halo games, was a big fan, and I came to Destiny, I was like, okay, good job, moved on with my life. And now I'm playing Destiny again. I'm, I did the House of Wolves this morning, so... Had a lot of engrams to decrypt. Now, what's your take on on the internet, the the anger? Do you think it's just a it's a hype thing? I I mean, yeah, sure. Any any time a big title comes out, it's the the sort of Justin Bieber effect. It's like if you're big and on top, you're gonna have a lot of critics, positive and negative. So a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say. They were unhappy with it. Do whatever. You think they, and just, they just need to have a Comedy Central roast of Destiny. <laughs> Is that what would turn it around? I do. You, do you think? Or maybe, yeah. or maybe Destiny just needs to walk out behind Pacquiao <laughs> at the next fight. Destiny sex. Tape. That's all I. That's literally all I know about Justin Bieber. Those are my two Justin Bieber jokes. I'm tapped. I, it took me a se- <laughs> took me a second to go like, what are you else? talking about? Oh. It took me a second too. You know more than the rest of us because we were all like, what the fuck? What is it? What the fuck? He's making he references. <laughs> this must be what our viewers sports feel like. references. <laughs> sports references. <laughs> we're talking about late movies from the late seventies. Some fourteen year olds like. <laughs> Is it is it just possible that like Destiny came out and it, obviously there's a huge marketing push and and whether or not Bungie should have been responsible for delivering the game that everyone built up in their heads uh, and they didn't necessarily promise um, is it just the kind of thing where that came out everyone was like oh my god I have to try this but it was clearly just for a specific group of people and now those people are still playing the game thus the reception is more positive because the people who didn't like it initially you mean the only people who are talking about it yeah, now yeah. are the people who are destined, Cause, cause destined why, yeah, to like it exactly why would you still be playing Destiny now if you hated it and then just kept playing it because you're a troll I guess because you're a Maybe. troll yeah I mean yeah. there has to be a certain number of those yeah. people it's uh, but you would th- you would think if you were the type of person who just picks up Destiny and you're like, not my thing, I'm gonna go play something else. I don't know the 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 con, the the conversation was so loud, like yeah. you couldn't turn anywhere without somebody explaining to you just how much they didn't like Destiny. Yeah. And it's it's weird that somebody would spend that amount of time and energy on something that they just didn't care for. Well, I mean, I think the the nerdy side of the internet, probably the internet in general. Is just very reactionary. Yeah. I like the nerdy side of the internet. Yeah, which is kind of old, internet, internet, right? Yeah. 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 Um, some guy on there looking up fishing tutorials. <laughs> I just think it's. I think it's going to be reactionary, because you can say whatever you want to publicly, however you want to, basically anonymously. Mm, so yeah. like, even if you didn't play Destiny, you oh, can get cool. in on the conversation and talk about how much you hated Destiny mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, so I don't know. I think I think the internet's always going to be loud, especially about things that they don't like. Mm. Yeah. What don't you like about this podcast? Please leave a comment. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't like that James guy. Oh, yeah, send him guy, back. The new guy, James. <laughs> and his fixation with water and janitorial services and Justin Bieber. Didn't even catch the reference. And Pacquiao and Superman and E.T. Um, <laughs> Rolling it all the way back. There we go. 
Yeah, I, uh, managing expectations, I think, is a key, key part of it, because this time, Bungie did, like, three streams leading up to the release of the DLC. Yeah. And yeah. all they were doing is walking through, like, here are the new guns, please look at them. What was the viewership like that? On it was that? really good. It was like 100,000 uh, Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Concurrent viewers. Uh, watching all of those things. Yeah. And it's... It's DLC. And, and, you know, honestly, I think the DLC doesn't have that much content in it. But still, like, to get that many people tuning in for what amounts to a multiplayer map, a horde mode, we, and a cluster of new weapons and we, we, We've talked about this ad nauseum, but, like, Destiny as a game, um, you, you and I, Lawrence, have always talked about how, like, the core of the game is so good mm -hmm. that you can kind of just do the same section over and over, and just the core of the gameplay is so much fun. It's just kind of light on content. Yeah. That's really it. And then you end up, like, I think Bungie's kind of doing this thing of, like, we have so much in our game, but they're, like, behind the scenes, they're like, shit, people have unlocked everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have, like, six more DLC packs that we got to drag out for the next two years, and people are, like, level 32 already. we got to, like, grind it down. Yeah. So it's, like, if... If you don't make it a part of your daily life and you just kind of like just chill on it, I think the game's it's fine. It's like it, the fact that we're still playing it, kind of a good sign, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I picked it up just two weekends ago and I, I haven't really been able to put it down. Ugh. You maxed um, out two classes or a class and a subclass. Yeah, which is sorry. essentially the same thing. Sorry. Well, so uh, you must be familiar with expectation management, given your position at Rooster Teeth. His name's Matt. I was yes. gesturing. <laughs> it's and you! This is a visual medium, Adam. Podcasts are visual. All of them. I listen to them in audio form. I don't know about you guys. Well, Yeah, managing expectations is tough. That's why our philosophy has always been to tell the audience that everything we do sucks. Yep. I like that one. <laughs> it's the smartest you know? thing you could do. And, and sometimes, you know, that turns out to be true. <laughs> and then there's no mismanaged expectations. Yeah. And then when it turns out to be great, well, that's just a bonus. Hey, everyone's so, surprised. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> starting at the top, all the way down. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, managing expectations is really hard because you do want to, you know, hype your game or your show or your product or whatever yeah. it is and get people excited about it. Um, you know, you can just go overboard. I think one of the things we've always talked about is, like, not, not selling the wrong thing, you know, because you can try to, like, in your marketing or advertising or outreach for a show or a product, trying to make it be all things to all people, and maybe it's not, you okay. know, and that's what, maybe the, the, the answer with the, the fans of Destiny who are around now and are still playing it and love it, it's like, that was the kind of game that they were looking for, but maybe the early haters were looking for something else, you mm -hmm. know, but they got, might have gotten the marketing message of, it's going to be everything everybody ever wanted for the end of time, and it's, you know, answered all your problems and <laughs> cooks your dinner and raises your children and... How big have, will it make my dick? Yeah. So big. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'll take two. <laughs> I actually did buy the game twice, so I'm stupid. No, oh, yeah, I did too. PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, I mean, but, Rooster Team yeah. is biting off bigger, bigger projects now, like Laser Team and things uh -huh. like that. Has that changed the way the company has to manage expectation or interface with their audience at all? Or do, does no, your simple approach of, it's going to suck, please don't look forward to it? No, I think it's just like, you know, each, each project is different in, uh, you know, its own perfect unique little snowflake right yeah so i mean just not selling it to be something it's it's not you know i mean uh you know i mean like like ruby i think is a great show i don't think it's going to appeal to every single person there are people who just don't like the anime look and style and they're horrible people but still <laughs> <laughs> absolutely do you know what i'm saying but it's like we're not trying to like 
we wouldn't try to say like every single thing we do is going to be all things to all people because we know it's not. We're making stuff that we think is funny and cool and clever and and whatever, and it's not our sense of humor and our taste and our style is not going to appeal to everybody. But hopefully, it appeals to enough people. Mm-hmm. So we just try to stay true to the message. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, you're not like Bollywood. Bollywood tries I to wish. have a romance and a dance and a musical, but then it's an action movie with horror. Yeah. Too yeah, many you, genres. You're right. It is perfect. <laughs> Man, Bollywood's great. Okay. Everybody go watch... Uh, let's, stop, let's stop this podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> go watch Bollywood. I need some, I need some Bollywood in my Go life. watch Sing'em. It's fantastic. What? No, Jai Ho. My, uh, it's not a movie. I, t- I talked about this on another podcast, and somebody's going to call me out for talking about the same thing on two podcasts. But my, uh, my old boss in Hollywood... like when I, I used to live in L.A., and I worked in movies before Rooster Teeth started. Um... And my old boss was a visual effects supervisor, and he left L.A. to go to Bollywood, where he became the visual effects supervisor on a bunch of Bollywood movies. That's awesome. And one of them was, like, The Matrix of India. Ooh. Is that the was one where it, it called The Matrix of India? Yeah. With the, is it the I, one with the yeah, really boring-looking middle-aged know. robot? What? what? There's Somebody a, already answered this question, I feel stupid yeah, for not yeah, remembering it yeah. on yeah. another podcast. I feel like so, I've seen a YouTube clip of it. The one where yeah. he's the, the giant ball of people. Yeah, yeah. We've I'm, all seen it. I don't know. If, we don't know if that's the movie, but there is a there probably, is a clip is. of a Bollywood film of this guy. He's a robot, but he's they basically just cast some middle aged dude to be the robot, but he's super cool and he's got shades on. And there's a hundred of them, Arnold and he turns into a giant ball. Yeah, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and so uh, ah. so hmm. that's that's yeah. And then they dance at some point. Do you ever wake sure. up in the middle of the night, man, and think that could have been me? Yeah. <laughs> like, just my bed drenched in sweat. <laughs> I'm working on just this night, goddamn night terrors. <laughs> sweat. I could have... Jai-ho! Yeah, Reclaimed water. Reclaimed, like. that's right. <laughs> he was in a spritzer bottle by his bed. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, just gotta uh, cool off. Well, I don't know. I think... Um, uh, it was the the thing, just going back to the whole stand topic. Uh, sure. We knew a long time ago when they announced when the, the it's something no one ever says yeah. in the Rooster Teeth podcast. Topic. Topic. We try to be a little different here on the Soup of Men. Dudes. We tackle the hard hitting. We have to go keep talking about Destiny. Also, we had a girl on last week, so equal equal opportunity yeah, employer. Just keep bragging. Uh, what? No, I'm just saying I know a girl. <laughs> I know one. Yeah, sure. Uh, Picks. Well, no, we we always knew that Destiny was going to be a ten year plan, and however, whatever they do next is going to be, I don't know, kind of interesting. But like, we know there's. There's 10 years of Destiny coming up, or at least we're two years into it. But the first game was always going to be the first, you know, bit of penetration. And like, the, I think the next one is going to be the the sort of game that people are looking forward to now that the they whole got shaft. well, now that they got the base be down, the it's yeah. just the tip. So it's like Destiny One, just the tip. Yeah. Was so that the, the, the Destiny, subtitle? Destiny Two. Come inside. Okay. <laughs> so th- and then what's Destiny Three? You want some coffee? Uh, you take a shower, please. Four. Yeah. <laughs> leave the money on the dresser. <laughs> I'm paying you to leave. Uh, please get a lift. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Right, pros- this is really bad. This is bad humor. Let's talk about Destiny. <laughs> I thought we were. Oh. Well, did we? Did we determine? Would you, would you call? Wait. We was, fixed it. So would you call a lift for a prostitute? Is that the future now? Instead of a cab? What are you talking about? Huh? We're not talking about hookers, Adam. What? These were, these were our significant others. They have sex with you? No. Uh oh. What? Boy. I'm just talking about a friend. Anyway, Destiny. Uh, <laughs> I think we were saying something about Destiny. <laughs> well, I'm going to switch topics. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Well, no, it, it's related. So it, it comes down to managing expectation. And there was a really interesting article that got published on Polygon today 
uh, which is one of the rare times I'll ever say that. Sorry, Polygon. Um, but essentially, it's a it's a sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge. It, it was a really interesting and very analytical article about the realities of Kickstarter. Um, given that you guys have a shitload of cash from crowdfunding, maybe that would be interesting and related. Uh, I guess we is the appropriate term. No, not, it's all lasers now. So. That's true. <laughs> cash has been got, turned into lasers. We've got, we've got nothing in the bank. Skin tight suits and lasers. Uh, so there's uh, Golden Glitch is a indie dev studio, and the team lead Katie. Oh boy, Kiranis. Kiranis. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Basically wrote up this whole thing saying how you're basically getting lied to with pretty much every major Kickstarter project. Uh, she basically lays Matt. out. <laughs> yeah. What lies well, did you tell? <laughs> well, then you well, actually we, got a reasonable we, amount of money. We did it on Indiegogo. Yeah. yeah. So it's they are different. more like fibs. <laughs> <laughs> White lies, like I had sex well, with Destiny. Can you elaborate? Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you asked. Uh, essentially, she just basically says that like these figures that you're seeing for game dev, 300, 400, 500,000 are absurd. No game will ever be made for that. The smallest budget you'll ever really make a game for realistically is about 2.5 million. Um, yeah, that's what she says. So uh, I'll get into her. Uh, get Does into it feel her. like an indie game or get, a triple yeah. A? Like no, no, no. Costume quest? I'll get into her figures here. So right. uh, she says the cost of an average size game development team is $10,000 per person per month. And she's saying that as a flat figure, so that includes salary. Uh, she says the figure above factors in the unseen extras that go into game development. Rent, equipment, electricity, food and water, taxes, art tables, software licenses, healthcare, dev kits, outsourcing, interviewing, paying actor and agent fees for voiceover work. And just shh, just crazy amounts of other like paying agents, uh, agents. Oh, I was like, well, okay, so she's agents knocking at the door. It's like she's a racist. Their little coin purse, their Asian coin purse. So uh, she elaborates that ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars times fifteen people times twenty four months, a two year dev cycle, it's three point six million dollars, and that's okay. fifteen but, people for two years. Okay, but she's factoring in voiceover costs. Yeah, not oh, every. Uh, well, what, what, what voice acting does I mean, Fez it seems have? Like if, you're, if you're saying conservatively, voiceover cost isn't necessarily something that should be factored in. I know that's just one one little thing, but if she starts her argument by saying conservatively, this is the number that it should be, but then she includes something that is not at all required for a game, right. especially a small game to have. Then it's no longer conservative. Yeah, it's not that conservative. I don't know. Well... I but mean, then, I, then we, chop that out. Say it's one year dev for fifteen people. Wouldn't that make it cheaper? And it's like one point seven five million, or or one point five million. Well, I mean, my assumption with a lot of these things is we have some a project we want to make, but we we have funds, but we have to divert like other funds to do it. Like we were talking about the that phone that the double sided phone yeah, that yeah. we were Yoda looking phone, at, yeah. right? And they were asking for how much money? How much were they asking for? They weren't really asking. I there was a no minimum. What's the, so, what is the double-sided phone? It's, a two, it's two screens. It's basically got the touch screen on one side, and yeah. the other side is like something you can fill with widgets, yeah. like a clock it was and like different an things e like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's a like Kindle a, on the back, basically. Yeah, yeah. So you can read it under sunlight. You can read books or see the oh, time. So it's different. Oh, so it's eating yeah. on one side and, and exactly. regular Well, the, the phone, here's the other uh, kicker for that one. That phone's already available in Europe. It's mostly to bring it to the U.S., I think. That's really all it is. Like, a, like for the boat? I think so, or I think transportation. I, yeah, I, voiceovers for the boat. I think switch. <laughs> the Asian guy when you get there clanking his damn little bag of coins. <laughs> you well, did this, Adam. My my point is, I think I think that in a lot of situations, probably with games, you have a company mm -hmm. that exists that mm -hmm. has money, right, mm -hmm. to operate and function. Uh huh. <laughs> Where's that money? Lay this back down. And then you, you lie. Know? And then and then you say 
but we'd like to make another project. You we don't it. have the resources for it right now. And oh, so we yeah. need X amount of dollars to fill in that gap, right? So you're not... What? <laughs> Cocaine budget. You're not hiring a whole new squad of people. You crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Are you... Are you I don't know. My hype man? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> He's, hyping. He's hyping you up right now. <laughs> but yeah, it seems, like, it seems like you would have... Like you just... This is the amount of money we need to divert our whatever operating costs so that way we can't create this other product. Not, this is the amount of money we need to fill our garage with the things and hire pe rando people in to do what, to make the, our dream game, right? Like, that's what it seems like to me. I, I, the way I originally saw Kickstarter that made sense to me or any sort of crowdfunding was, here's a device I made. This device will make your dick so big. And you're like, yeah, cool. They're like, unfortunately, we can only make one. But if people fulfill this order, My uh, dick is we know, now we can manage expectations and we can, whatever, sell X amount of dick pumps. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm into that. That makes sense. But now it turned into this thing where this guy's like, I like dinosaurs and I like video games. I've never made a video game. Three million dollars, please. And then people give him money. You're like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, I have those a, ones I have a video mind. game that's going to be great for Ooh. Kickstarter. Yeah. It is based on making potato salad. Okay. All right. <laughs> God damn like it. it. And that's the end. Oh, all right. I got it. So Done. that's $20,000. Right? Yeah. Well, how much? much 2.5, right? Yeah. About 2.5 million. What did the potato salad yeah, guy get? He made like 10, 10 grand, I want to say. How much oh, for the voice actor? Was it more than that? I think he ended up like 60 or 70. I'm just like saying conservatively. Conservatively. Yeah, well, I mean, you need two potatoes. Two potatoes, <laughs> so, uh, and then a 10-person development team. Maybe a lot of mayonnaise. You know, you want one pickle. Gotta pay a voiceover like actor relish, to read the recipe kind of to you. Yeah. 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 yeah, and then uh, and the fringes. One more thing. Fringes. Four and a half million. Adam drinks his little coin bag, man. You made him up. No, you did. You're the racist. No, it's you. So the she goes on to compare average budgets to basically what projects actually cost and draw some pretty interesting conclusions. Uh, so Ukulele is, uh, you know, another runaway Kickstarter success. Right. But it started with a budget of $270,000. That's the Banjo-Kazooie okay. game, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, and she writes, The idea of paying 15 people along with office space and the other costs associated with the development of a project this size with a $270,000 budget, the ca campaign's minimal funding goal is absurd. Uh, with a team of seven and a release date of April 2016, We'd have needed to raise, uh, she says, 8,000 times 7 times 12, 672,000. And that's with half the staff and half the time. Um, what was their goal, though? Uh, for ukulele? Yeah. 270,000. Okay. And by her figure, she's estimating the cost would be more around three points. Or wait a second. Six hundred seventy-two. Now, is she upset about this? I don't understand. She's the, not upset. The, the she, so, the... so the conclusion is thus, that, that basically these campaigns are basically doing what James said. They already have funding. And they're using this as a stopgap or... Or they're bad at math. Or they're, they're, that's another that's another thing. We're really good at it. There yeah, are, that's, that's yeah. another thing. It could be really good. So there are there are a few there are a few theories, and every situation is different. But one is that they already have funding, and they're using this as, as either publicity or just a stopgap to fill whatever holes mm -hmm. they have. Yeah. Or they're using this to start, and then hope that they can find funding after the fact, and then if they can't, kickstart. There you go. Explain. But if they can't, <laughs> but if they can't find any more money, they have to, you know, take their hat off. Well, I was gonna say, isn't this what happened with Veronica Mars and um, Zach Braff? Well, but everybody bought a ticket for the movie. So if you kickstarted that, you got a ticket to the movie, right? No, no, that uh, was the big problem. No, you those. just gave to them. Yeah, <laughs> make a movie. There are there are. Bruce is upset. <laughs> so I know you got to go on a date with Veronica. Yeah. Really? What? Yeah. Every every single single, every, every, Mrs. Dak Shepard. Every single person. 
Mrs. Um, yep. So the just in quick conclusion, this is all relating to Bloodstained, the, the like Castlevania knockoff that uh, Iga is doing. I don't know his full name, but the guy with the goatee. What are these words you're saying? Ah, sorry. Oh, it, it makes sense to someone, I promise. Whatever. So Smart she, people. She writes, Bloodstained isn't a story of the little guy triumphing over big publishers. It's a story of a campaign that had millions of dollars of funding before the Kickstarter began and the help of multiple companies ending the logistics of the campaign. They asked for $500,000 to prove a point, not fund a game. Wow. And then wow. she says that basically by, by doing this, people start to think that you can make a game like that on a half million dollars. And whenever you come to them with a realistic budget, you say, I need $1.5 million to make this tiny-ass game, people won't fund it because they think they know what a game costs. They don't. She's just jealous. It's, it's weird, though, because <laughs> I mean, she's, saying, she's saying that like it's kind of a, a, a quiet little secret in the industry that these games don't actually cost this much. What, what There's funding, and then, like you said, there's, there's the Kickstarter campaign to raise awareness and also maybe some extra funding by making it seem like it's attainable for anyone, right? But, but it, what, she's, what she's worried about is that then you would then go to a developer and say, I want to make a game, and they would say, well, why can't you make it for that amount of money? Not a developer, no. She's worried about going to Kickstarter, saying, I want to make this game for $2.5 million, uh-huh. and everyone at Kickstarter going, that's way too expensive. Uh-huh. I know how much a game costs, because I funded this other thing that yeah. only asked for $250,000. Okay. Why can't you make the game for a tenth of your budget? Okay, but... But she's, it seems strange because she's aware what a game costs. Yeah, right? she's, a, she's worried that nobody else on Kickstarter, or the people who would fund projects, do not. Okay. Kickstarter, more like Trickstarter. Got him. Oh, man. They give you a uh-huh. <laughs> Indiegogo. Some dude just fell like his chair. Indie in, no, Indie no. Bozo. Oh. <laughs> man. I'm actually, I'm, I'm interested to kind of hear your perspective because you Some did. Some hot burns. I mean, Indiegogo is one of the largest. Well, we're, making, we're making a game. You are. It's one billion dollars. Oh my god! One billion. That's is that what it's called? Is it gonna have voice acting? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the funding. It's only cost two. Look at the horse. He's trying to kick the Griffin. That was cute. Anyway, so pay attention. Yeah, but Lawrence. I mean, like you guys did the movie for Indiegogo, so the, right, the, right, and it worked out well. Well, you guys yeah. cleared your goal though. Uh, so, had you not cleared your goal by as much as you did, would you have been able to still produce it in the same way that you? In did? the same way, no. And I mean, we talked about that during the campaign that, you know, whatever additional money that we got past the goal was just going to help us make it a more badass movie mm-hmm. you know and that's exactly what we did you know just it, it has it has two lasers now it just, <laughs> well, it just had one before it's a lot of lasers. The machine you know? that makes the, the movie you just yeah. stick a funnel in there and start pouring dollars into it, it. exactly that's, 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 that, is, that, is, that is literally how it works yeah. I know I work in LA man yeah. I'm in the movie industry yeah so, you work at a Starbucks <laughs> I leave my screenplay everywhere <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that her, her logic in terms of adding up, you know, number of people and hours and times that makes kind of makes sense, but no. it also assumes that every game and every product has to be at least at that level to make sense. And I think there's certainly games that have been released that were viable, fun games that probably didn't follow that model and were produced a lot more cheaply. Right. You know, so I just feel like there's there's a range, and it just depends on what you're trying to make. I mean. We 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 talked when we were doing the Indiegogo about we just wanted to make the best movie we possibly could. There's going to be things we couldn't achieve at certain budget levels, and as we got you know some very some of them are hard hard to actually uh, uh, quantify, but some Absolutely. were some were very specific. Like we had a level of if we get to you know like X level, you know we're gonna uh, like be able to have a, a like an orchestra, you know, and that kind of thing. 
So and that really does make a difference overall in the, the feeling of the movie. And if you're cutting corners making a game, I'm sure there's several things. Instead of having a voice actors that you pay, you know, it's just you, you know? Mm-hmm. I am the voice of all the characters. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's it. Money lost of sale. Well, also, uh, the, the other thing she's talking about, like, Video, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the video game industry is not unionized, so you can't really you can't regulate a price structure of a developer getting ten thousand dollars a month because someone will take that job for a thousand dollars a month, like a junior designer or something. Sure. Well, and you'll they, have so they may not be as good shortcuts lead to long. I, I mean, I don't think we're talking about quality here. We were just talking about well, basic think, game design. I think that's the one thing that she's not factoring in, in at all. Really, is quality. So, like, hmm. we get the question for our YouTube videos: Why does it take you so long to cut videos? And I'm always like, well, there's a difference in our videos we versus cut them. other 45-minute, an hour, two, three-hour Minecraft Let's Plays. Yeah. Um, and it takes longer to cut those videos. And that and that's one of those things that I don't know if people know right offhand. And the so, difference like, is we're drunk. Well, that's, <laughs> that's usually the problem. Um, 10% but, of the time. But that's the thing that she's not necessarily showing in, in that example. Is like, well, what's the quality of the game you're going to get? That's, sure. That's my question. Sure. Right. So. It, it, it also seems, though, like her big problem is like, you can't trust these crowdfunding numbers. And then she goes, give me crowdfunding so I can make my game. Right? Well, yeah. Like, so I mean, oh, she's complaining. Her, her project is being crowdfunded. So, so yeah. she, she's complaining about how crowdfunding is spoiling it for her when she's trying to crowdfund. Sure. But it's like, if it's not a good thing, maybe you shouldn't be entrenched in all that. Yeah. Maybe you should find a different, more reliable way to make the thing you want to make. Maybe get it Whoa. published or like you used to have Well, to. so... <laughs> So well, that's an interesting wow. corporate spool. I know. <laughs> that's an interesting prospect I, because oh, go ahead. I just think we should support her, and I could, can't, you know, fund the Kickstarter with money personally, but I do have some leftover potato salad. Oh yeah, yeah there you go. That I think she could probably use. It costs like fifty grand, right? It, it depends so. that you f- with the right buyer. Oh, with the right mm-hmm. buyer, you could get. Right. Invest your potato grand. salad See, wisely. Yukon Gold. I'm waiting for that. Gold to be the, for potatoes. That's going to be the next thing. They're going to mi- mix the Couch Surfer website with Indiegogo, where so I can't give you money, but here's some food, and they'll like try to help game developers. Like oh, yeah, you can yeah. stay at my house. Yeah. Castle <laughs> trays full of lasagna. My mom said it's cool. You can have the top. Can you bunk. make another Castlevania? <laughs> <laughs> I made you these cookies. Live with me, Hideo. They're all burnt. Oh, what? It's uh, so so to Spool's point. Very ignorant, stupid point. <laughs> Loud, obnoxious. Oh my gosh! Why are you doing this? So no, 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 no. Not even here. Uh, I just like I like saying mean things to Spool because yeah, he yells back. I like the devil. Mm. Yeah, Spool <laughs> found a nice satanic tumbler today. A lot of boobs on that tumbler. It's really hard to get work done. Satanic boobs. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. There's some girls really get off on the Satan thing and what? other boobs. Anyway, what are we talking about? What is going on? We started with a kickstarter. Please continue to Spool's point. Uh, so I I I talked to a couple of devs. Back when I was at Machinima, Uh-oh. I discovered this last the night. The game is perfect. <laughs> people have been waiting for Look this. Look at those graphics, though. Years for uh, the perfect so game. I talked to a few people who. Well, if only they had kickstarted this game, that would have been It's in Poland. They pay their guys like a thousand dollars a month. They're they, it's okay. Well, they could do that. Poland. But they get what? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> basically, I, I there were a couple of devs. This was in Kickstarter. It was really blowing up, and everybody was rushing to it. And there were a couple of studios that had some successful games out, but they were still kickstarting their next title. So I, w- I wrote to them and talked to them. I was like, why are you doing this? You should have money. And their response was, you have no idea how little money we get when we sell games. Uh, we can have games that seem like they're successes, but like half those sales are from Steam sales. We got like a quarter from the, from the proceeds. The publisher took all of it. 
Um, the publisher owns the the IP, so we can't take the IP to Kickstarter or anywhere else. Mm. Uh, so the the trap, such as it is, is essentially like you go to a publisher and you say, "I want to make this game." The publisher says, "Okay, great, it's ours. We'll pay for you to make it, but it's ours. Yeah. We get to keep all the money." So if you say yes, then you make your game. They keep all the money, and you're exactly where you were three years later. Except that you made a game. You made a game, and yeah. you're credited on it, but you don't own it, and you didn't get any of the money from it. This is what they told you? Yes. Wow. Uh, the alternative is you take out massive loans, take on a lot of debt, and hopefully claw your way back to zero once the game comes out. But you own it. But you own it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, way that, the way that sales work and the way that people treat new IP, odds are very low that you're going to break even on your first title. Um, so the, the way he was describing it is the Kickstarter formula lets them break out of that cycle where they are allowed to get all their money up front with basically no strings attached aside from uh, putting your career on the line, your reputation. How do I kickstart this? Your reputation, the wobbly door. Uh, I'll take two, please. So he said by going to Kickstarter, if we get a successful Kickstarter off the ground, not only are we free and clear of debt, but we also own the project, and we get to keep all the revenue once it goes on sale. And then that money actually can go to pay for the next project, and then we don't have to rely on anyone anymore. Um, so, but, the, but now all of a sudden, so like what we saw with, uh, what was the game? Uh, Stomping Lands or whatever? Oh, yeah. Where they were just like, game was too hard, we quit. It backfires. Um, well, except I think they're still working on it, but they were basically like, we're starting over, and it's like... We need more money, please. And everybody gets mad, too, and that I think that yeah. causes a lot of, like, uh, you lose a lot of credibility when you put a game out with a bunch of money and then yeah. the game is bad uh, that a bunch of people contributed to. So that might be another important part of that equation. It's growing pains of the free money market. That's true. Uh, it's a new model, and, you know, those, those things are bound to happen. Uh, I think by now, at least, everybody's well aware that when you back something on Kickstarter, it could go up in smoke. And oddly, it's strange, man. People are way more willing to pay $15 for something that may never exist than $15 for something that is here right now. Really? That, that blows my what mind. What are you selling? Uh, <laughs> See how much I got. In a bag with some coins in it. I got a door that flops open. How much? I can write you a check. Is that okay? No. Oh, boy. No checks. That horse okay. is having a hard time. I got 10 bucks. I wasn't even looking though. at the screen and I do weird shit this to games. This is nothing like the trailer where he touches the ground and then it sees cool fighting happening. I am disappointed. <laughs> this is cool. my destiny. <laughs> So, so yeah, there we go. I completely forgot where we were going with we're that. Talking huh? about Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter. Kickstart this horse, please. And I'm just, I'm just glad that. <laughs> oh hey, you're carrying its head. Nice. Uh, I'm just glad that we're kind of at the point now where. <laughs> What's going on there? This is what Adam does. He breaks games. I don't do it on purpose. You yes. did do it on purpose. You yeah, could have gone over the bridge. I tried. My horse is really wedged in there. Poor I, I can call him. See what he does. I could be wrong about this, but I feel like the games industry. Whoa, he made it. Huh? Is on the verge Royal of Royal Steed. <laughs> It's kind of Come becoming forth. like the music industry, where... Hmm? So, before iTunes... How does this relate to Limp Bizkit? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it does in some way. More, more, maybe more like Metallica, but... Um, prior to iTunes, labels had a function. They were there to, you know, get you in the studio, pay all those fees, kind of take care of all the, the monetary aspects of it, get you publicity, get you, a, get you a producer. Fred Durst. Yes, they'd throw Fred Durst at everything, and everyone was happy. Uh, but now that iTunes is out, it's like, you know, Adam Young, Al City can sit in his room with Fruity Loops and make a song and put it on MySpace and he's done. Like, he doesn't need anyone <laughs> anymore. Uh, so, now that developers can go direct to, to game players, ask them for money and then give them the product directly, I wonder, you know, are publishers going to really be all that important? 
Maybe for big projects, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when... it's changing. Yeah, there's a middle tier where that may not exist anymore. I would say it seems similar more to, like, movies or something like that. With yeah. the, with the uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's all the well, same, same rel it's all relative, right? The, the only difference I see, which could change over time, is that games are getting more and more and more expensive to produce, whereas, whereas music is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to produce. I mean, that's, not according that's, to Jay Z. I mean, I you have could to have always you could have always picked up a guitar and played it, but like recording equipment, you don't have to necessarily go into a studio because you can use Audacity or some sort of free software to record things and then produce it yourself and do things like that. And then you could put it out there on the internet for the cost of whatever it is to host it or put it in SoundCloud for free or something like that. So the barrier it, to entry is. The barrier to entry is really small for music. Yeah. I don't, for games, though, it's getting there, too. I mean, like, you got Unity and Unreal, where those tools look really simple to use when they show them off. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. Get, they're getting there. I, I feel, maybe it's the audience. I think maybe it's easier to just, like, put on, like, Pandora or Spotify, and then a song comes up and it's just wobble sounds. And you're like, that was pretty good. Thumbs up. Good wobbles. Right? But, like, if that was the, the wobble, equi wobble sound equivalent of a game... I don't know that it would catch on fire, like... I don't know, man. Someone made a fart game You can go on, on Steam Bruce recently. I know there's a lot of crap out there, but... You could just, like, imagine there was a Spotify, but you say, I just want to play old 8-bit style platforming games. And there are enough of those flooding Steam sure. that it could yeah. pull up a Spotify list, and you just, like, hit next game. I think and maybe we figured out what we need to do. We <laughs> need to get on the Spotify of games, right? It yeah. just gives you games, you pay, you pay one price... And then they, and then the developer pays us to get their game within the rotation, with the hope that the more they play it, an ad runs every little while. Let's kickstart this idea. Well, boom! Oh, let's kickstart it. Gamify.com. Oh, What's going on here? Gamify? Oh. Got wrecked. No, what was that uh, bullshit was service that we used today? Oh, I don't know. Game fighting. No. Oh, Hoobly. No. What, what was the? Bumble. No. No. Uh, Tomas. Boop. What is it? Bombi. Boom. Boom. Dude. Gamify's taken. Booty, no. what was the oh, Booty, Booty, Booty Box. Booty Box. We, uh, we did a, a demo disc thing today, and uh, this app app came up called Booty Box, which is basically Steam way before Steam. Like a mentally handicapped version of Steam. Yeah, but it, like they're like, <laughs> update your game, and it's just like, this is really broken. Yeah, yeah. It was like pre-Game Tap. It's really bad, huh. but now it's on our computer. <laughs> anyway, that'll be us. Yeah. Well, technically it kind of already is. That's one of the things mm -hmm. I... Uh, Explain yourself. always liked about Rooster Teeth, is that... Uh, before it was fashionable or even possible to go direct to viewer for funding or support. Right, we did it when it was impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Could not be done. And Rooster Teeth found a way. Yeah. Like, uh, so YouTube is the platform that makes that stuff really easy. Right. You, uh, you, know, you record your cat catching on fire and you make $3 million because you uh, uploaded my... it to YouTube. All those tools were made for you. Okay. Um, kind of in the way that you know, Apple supplied those tools to music distributors. But uh, Rooster Teeth invented all those tools themselves for you know, sponsorships and things like that. Pre-YouTube. Uh, yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Can I have a promotion? Uh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> for pointing out. He's like, oh, can I have a promotion? You <laughs> <laughs> got a little bit of my beard. You don't have a beard. If only I could grow a beard. Yeah. Then you get jizz in it. <laughs> then then you can pick it out. What does this have world? to do with Destiny? Huh? Every single time it cuts to him, his necklace drops from somewhere. Do you notice this? Yes. It's his an necklace keeps dropping. James, physics... Renders from one frame to another. How much did I pay to kickstart this? If you damn don't game? know where it starts, you can't render where it's going. All right. Mm, I just murder some fools. This game's cool. You ever notice that when you're watching a compressed video, the 
flash frame after a scene transition is always garbage? Same thing. What? No. Yeah. I haven't noticed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, the final verdict. Kickstarter, oh. good or bad? Uh, neither. Okay. okay. Sorry, guys. We live in a world of gray. But it is changing the way the games are made, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Especially oh. when the people who make games are writing and saying, this is weird. Like, things are getting <laughs> weird. Uh, I guess the other aspect of it is it's fascinating to me. The internet is a culture now. Like, we, we, we talk a lot to the internet, yeah. and the internet gets mad. Mm-hmm. But there is, you can definitely track the, you know, the, this goes back to destiny in a way. Mm-hmm. You can track the temperature. The ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah. And if, if the internet is ebbing and, and they're thinking that games only cost $300,000 to make, and then they don't understand why Sega would be disappointed that, say, Alien Isolation only sold 2 million units. It, it brings up a bigger issue overall with just the game industry in general. We never know how much games actually cost. That information never comes out. You, we actually don't even know how, many, how much games actually sell until EA or Activision decides to tell their investors. Because uh, they can choose to just keep that information themselves and just say, uh, between our three properties, we sold a lot. And that's all they have to do, because it's not like the movie industry where they put up the numbers every week. It's really, it's an interesting industry overall. But, um, yeah, we don't know how much games cost right now. We don't know what the budget of Black Ops is. We can only assume what it's going to be. So, I don't know, it's one of the things that makes the, the this industry, the gaming industry overall, just kind of fascinating is just the secrets sort of thing. I don't know. It's always fun to guess. What? You know what they say about assuming, right? Spool, can you get back to work? Yeah. <laughs> Good comeback. What did he say? I don't know. I don't know. No, you. No, no, you. No. That was a spool boom. Spool's the only. Yeah, we're we're making spool work out. That's mean. I'm sorry. So I'm curious. We'll hug it out later. Why is the movie industry so transparent when it comes to revenues and budgets? They're all public companies. All right, and no, like no. I guess you're right. Yeah. Publicly traded. Yeah. Why though? What? Well, like I guess if you. So that means, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It's no, also no. a dick measuring contest. You is know? it? Yeah. Who can spend the most on? Yeah. Oh movie? yeah, for sure. I mean. That and the you know the the returns of course. Mm. There was a there was a um, article about Guardians of the Galaxy a few months ago that I thought was really funny, um, where the the what was reported as the budget for that movie was like 180 million dollars, right? Jeez. And then they had to file some um, like incentives for tax rebates in the UK, and it came out that the real budget of the movie was like 260 million dollars. <laughs> Jeez. I'm a little off on these numbers, but it's somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, that it was like a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Disney was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're, all, we're awesome. $70 million. We're awesome. Who cares? We yeah. made like $7 billion. We're, right. we're good, you know? But it's, it is, I mean, you know, when you do stuff like that, I mean, it, it's, it's like the numbers are going to come out. And so I think they just figure like, well, I'm going to just drop it on the table, yeah. you know? Hmm. So EA is publicly traded, though, right? I mean... Doesn't, doesn't that mean that their numbers should be accessible for them? Well, like, Nintendo definitely is. Sony definitely is. Yeah. You would think their first-party stuff would have that kind of information transparent, but obviously they're not compelled to legally. So I they think don't. they... Well, because they always reveal... Uh, they do reveal when they operate at a, a positive or a loss. Well, the company does. Yeah, to, yeah. to their investors, yes. doesn't talk to... Like, they, they don't say individual... project. They, they never say individual sales or budgets for certain projects. And I guess that's just because, as a company, you want to kind of keep that close to your chest. You don't want to get that out to your competitors of, like... You know, in all of entertainment, the most interesting one to me is Netflix. Mm. Yeah, they hide all of their. Mm-hmm. They hide everything. And and I'd love like, to know all of them. Yeah, and they have a completely closed system, and they're just not going to give anybody any information at all. I've, I've read articles that say like even the producers of the shows, like, really? don't know how well their shows are doing. They just have to wait until they get renewed or not. Yeah, 
That's and there was a there was a, a thing recently where there was a, a a graph. Some like internet research firm tried to track uh, viewing habits of people. Well, not how they did it, but just you know measuring online traffic somehow with Netflix and figured out that um, like House of Cards and um, what's the one with the uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like those two were like pretty even, kind of like they're like you know popular shows like Middle of the Road, but Daredevil was like really twice as much as that. Which I never would have guessed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know? and also, it could be wrong because it's some internet research firm trying to like you know, a sample size of thirty. Yeah. Also, I wonder it was just how. Basically, my house. <laughs> <laughs> you just have Daredevil running on. <laughs> internet research firm was Matt Hollum's garage. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Netflix is cool because they actually they. Have the tools they can track the numbers digitally one to one. As drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I was gonna say like as opposed to Nielsen ratings, where it's sort of like, eh, yeah, uh, this one family household represents. Books, so. Yeah, that, that's like uh, that's like ten million people, right? They're like what? So, but if, but if Netflix has all those numbers, why are they not telling us? Like, why why do you think they're hiding those? Because I, I can't figure it out. I, no I honestly don't know either. I mean, I guess because they don't, they don't get any benefit out of it. That's kind of where I am. Like, what's, oh, I see. What, yeah. what they, they know. Have? So yeah. And and if if they can share that information selectively to whoever whomever benefits them, and that's not the entire world, yeah. Why would you Why would you give that away? Well, for me, so normal television ratings, like a big show on CBS, will do forty million people, right? Let, let's say forty million people watch on a C- show on CBS on a Thursday night. But not, no, I mean, not really. But not really, right? Nielsen yeah. ratings say around forty million people watch it. It's like a forty point two is a, is forty million people. So, but shows don't get forty. That, more. That's what they, right? they, they say. The bigger shows like CSI like a, and stuff do. Really? Um, I thought like a like a, a biggest show now would get like twelve. Well, it, it goes so it's been going down. Yeah. And that's why I'm curious to see if Netflix told us that mm. like let's say ten million people watch Daredevil. That's a big deal. How many? And I'm I'm surprised they don't do the dick measuring contest. The the one thing that tells me is that it's not it's not even close. It's not even close to network television. Otherwise, I feel I feel like Netflix would come out and be like twenty million people watch Daredevil in a week. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel like they would say that, but they they've never done that. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's just yeah. That's and I, I, I wonder, uh, kind of like how we do numbers, like on our our own channel and stuff like that. Like, what's considered a success and what's a failure? So, like, if Daredevil gets, I don't know, like, they, I guess they can measure watch time and overall views sure. on their end, and then maybe they can see how many people are signing up to see it. But how do you do? That? I don't well, know. I mean, if you think about it, the goal of saying that this, like, tens of millions of people watched. A show on television is so that way ad companies right. go, ooh, we want to get in on that, right? But Netflix doesn't have that. Everything's yeah, right. paid for by people's memberships, basically, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So so I guess it, it just goes back to what does it benefit them? It doesn't at all, right? And also, they're in a completely different realm because, like, television does have the benefit of saying this many people watched it at this time when we showed it then, right? right? Yeah. Like, which is why everyone was so frustrated when TiVo screwed all that up. Netflix is like, well, like, like a million people watched it over the course of three weeks. You know, like they, they, the numbers would be so different that you couldn't even really draw a yeah. comparison. So maybe that has, like, they know that whatever numbers they have don't really have any bearing on the rest of that kind of entertainment but, industry. But you know what they're selling on Netflix? They're selling, like, integrations. So they're actually That's selling true. advertising on those television shows. And it's, it's funny because, like, they have to sell like custom integrations in those shows. I guess it wouldn't be like a normal commercial like Hulu. Yeah. Um, like all those walking sticks in Daredevil. Yeah, they're all Coca-Cola and walking sunglasses. sticks. Coca- um, did you do you guys watch House of Cards? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's see, everywhere. Did you see the Samsung yeah. one in there? Yeah, exactly. That one was so funny to me because it was so 
kind of over, over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every single season, he's playing a different video game. Yep. It, like, yeah, the first season, right. it was yeah. like Modern Warfare. Then he suddenly he was playing uh, like on the Vita. Medal of Honor. Which no one played, oh, right. and then and then yeah, the most recent year he's playing an iPad game. Yeah, he's yeah. playing an iPad game. Yeah, but that, that's that, that ended up being a plot device yeah, yeah. at some point. And that was sold. That was a yeah. sold thing. So I mean, like that's what Netflix is selling. So they're I think they're giving out those numbers to advertisers probably. I'm curious. I'm really Maybe curious. I don't. I really have no idea. I'm, I mean, they got enough clout. I would be curious be if there wasn't a separate deal with the the company actually producing. Like, because Netflix bought House of Cards, right. right? They basically paid a ton of money to say, we want the show on yeah, Netflix. Sony like and... Yeah, yeah, it was a ton of money, right? But it was like Sony and Fincher produced it, if, so... if that... How much of that kind of... That integration goes to Netflix? Hmm. I wonder if that's something that the show can take or the, the, the production company or whatever, whatever financier is, yeah. is putting up the cash for that show can take out of it and thus... Kind of like they do sell the integration by saying we are on Netflix, right, right. so we can watch it. Netflix is going to put us up, and people are going to see it, and it's going to be popular and reported on and stuff. And then Netflix doesn't even really I, get I, involved in that. Probably, I, it's uh, they, so many questions. They probably yeah, they probably both take a piece. That's yeah, yeah, works, probably. But, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I'm just really curious. Like I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I've been wondering about for years. Yeah. About how many people are watching Netflix and when they're watching, who's thing. watching, and like. Just really interesting. Well, those, those sort of things are always kind of interesting. Like uh, everyone, I remember was thinking that uh, Chevy paid a bunch of money for the Transformers integrations, and Michael Bay came out and said, "No, they didn't pay us. They just gave us free cars to wreck." Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That can't be true. They must have paid something, right? They don't just." I think the first movie they didn't pay anything, or they paid very little. The next movies is when they started paying into those. So uh, they made more and more money because he he came out and said, "I don't." It was like Transformers three. They couldn't make uh, if. Unless Chevy had actually subsidized the film, hmm. so it was like, yeah, they gave us a hundred million dollars. Yeah, no, I know, and thank God we got Transformers three. Well, we saw the fourth one, and that was just basically one giant commercial. It was a lot of fun. And all the Heinekens. Yeah. Or wait, no, no it was, it was Bud, Bud Light. Light. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was They're great. all kind of commercials, right? Yeah, they are. It was like being on a roller coaster. It's like being at Magic Mountain. Another thought is that Netflix licenses a lot of that content, and so if they can go, no one watched it. We'll give you we'll give you a hundred grand, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. Like you're relying on them. We want to license yeah. your shitty show yeah, that yeah. no one's gonna watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, they <laughs> have your show sucks. We're gonna put it on. No one's gonna watch it. We're not gonna give you any money. You suck. There's well, there's like <laughs> a, a Nicolas Cage movie on, on there. The there's a Left Behind Nicolas Cage movie that has one star, and I'm like, who is this for? But it's got to be for someone. But Christians? they could probably be like, <laughs> it's only Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. He's watching it by yeah, himself yeah. at his house. Yeah. I thought it was okay. It's like Nick, you're in there, huh? What? <laughs> That's my Nicholas Cage impression. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of incentive to show the numbers, but they also have mm. a lot of incentive to not show yeah, the numbers. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that predicates another interesting topic, since we can talk about it on behalf of ourselves. When it comes to content creation, where would you? And I guess maybe this Bruce and Matt, Bruce and Matt question: Would you rather funding came direct from the viewer or subsidized through sponsorships? I defer to you. Uh, I mean. I guess I'd rather have it come to the viewer, but I don't mind sponsorships at all if they're organic and make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a few, um, not product placements, but like, you know, some brands and companies that gave us product to use and laser team that we need, where we needed stuff, you know, and it just made sense. We're going to have to stick something there anyway. So we're like, here, you guys can have this. And it's a similar kind of thing where it's like, we weren't blowing up cars, but they gave us, you know, here's some bags of chips or yeah. whatever. 
you I was, know? I was going to say, similar to like a video game high school, Freddie Wong did, the first season was all kickstarted. Or Indiegogo, same thing. Um, and in the one in the season, they're doing like a like a big gaming tournament. And they have like all Razor gear or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. It'd be more expensive to go out and like get fake keyboards and mice. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it's, it's only I think it's only weird when it's like it's in your face. You know, yeah. when it's blatant, like a Samsung. House the of Samsung cards has the cards one. Was just like, yeah. He stands up and goes. It's I love like, my Samsung I love TV. my Samsung, and now I'm going to transfer from my Samsung uh, oh, yeah. to my Samsung TV <laughs> Zoom. Well, they they do the the weird one too in Daredevil in the very first episode. This like mob guy comes up and he's like, "This guy's gonna murder your daughter on my Microsoft oh, yeah, Surface," yeah, and I was that, like, yeah. "Ooh, the picture quality is great." <laughs> I was like, ah, that's a weird integration, but yeah, they so Microsoft oddly has been blanketing a lot of like teen content, yeah, all yeah. the CW shows, yeah, yeah. and it's very bizarre because <laughs> like uh, Arrow has like a hacker lady, but she's always like hacking on a surface. On a surface, yeah. I'm like, but she doesn't ever say surface. No, so it's, it's just like there. Relatively natural. <sighs> by the way, this podcast is brought to you by Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups. See, it was organic. Oh, you never knew the whole time. Are these? Did you read that? Capture somewhere? your reclaimed water in a Dixie Cup. <sighs> or in my toilet, but don't drink it. You'll barely taste the piss. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really strong. It's actually reclaimed water. So we don't, do we have time to talk about uh, Mad Max? Do we like it? Matt? Oh, yeah. Let's Matt, did you see Mad Max? Have you seen it? No, everybody's wow. seen it. Oh, oh no, well, it's, we only have five minutes, so we don't want to spoil it for Mad Max. There's nothing to spoil about Mad Max other Basically, than it's just good. an orgy of fun. Have you seen Road Warrior? Well, I mean, I've seen all the you know, okay. so, original Mad Max movies. It's, so it's, it's weird because the original three movies... Despite all being called Mad Max, I personally felt we're a little tonally divergent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, were. yeah, I felt like the first one. It's obvious there was a vision there, but the production and even maybe the expertise of production wasn't quite up to snuff to really sell it. Right. Road Warrior pitch perfect at least for me. Beyond Thunderdome was just it was the late '80s. It was weird. Uh, I don't. Know, so, are you a Beyond Thunderdome fan? I, I guess I should ask. Am that. I a Beyond Thunderdome fan? I'm not a big fan. I didn't hate it. Okay. You know, but I was. You know, I don't know. When did that movie come out? I, I'm guessing four ninety-five. No way! No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of water. We were talking about this earlier. Earlier than that. Was it earlier? Yeah. I, I was like, getting it. I feel uh, like I was like eight or nine or something. I was getting it mixed up with Waterworld. Oh, they, of they, they feel similar. They like, do though. Waterworld. Waterworld's yeah, a fantastic. One, one has water and one doesn't. That's, That's true. kind of where the difference <laughs> between is the two is. I'm just saying. It was film. It was, it was Dust World versus Waterworld. <laughs> but kind of the same movie when you really think about it. The Tina Turner part. She, she is good in both movies. Yeah, she's I fantastic. Just, sure. Beautiful. And I, I don't know why Ike showed up. Oops. Radiant. 85. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. earlier than I thought. Oh, jeez. Uh, but makes sense. Yeah, they said it was, was it 30 years uh, since the last Mad Max movie came out, so... Yeah, I recall... I recall oh, yeah, you're right. Same, and same director and everything. R.I.P., what? Nobody so that, that director is such an interesting... Right. Uh, ...catalog. His career has been yeah. interesting. Yeah. Happy Feet. Uh, Babe Pig in the City. Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. Got, uh, I still think yeah. they should have put that in the trailer from the director of Happy Showgirls. Yeah. Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. That's Paul Verhoeven. So it's about uh, the, I guess the highest compliment that I can give, and James and I have kind of sh- shared the sentiment is, to me at least, Fury Road feels like Road Warrior, but like you put. Do you have my myopia? Like, is your vision totally fine? Because it was to me, it was like putting on glasses for the first time. Oh. And seeing Road Warrior again, but it's like, oh. it's 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 just. It's so much more vibrant, so much more... Does it feel like a remake? No, it you? doesn't, actually. No. That's uh, the weird thing. It was actually... It, it is 
for all intents and purposes, a sequel, but and it's a standalone it, sequel. Like, it, the, it's fine. It, I, I was reading about this. Uh, one of the reviews I read was like, it is what sequels could benefit from trying to be more of. So, mm. so there's Mad Max, right, which is this low-budget movie, whatever. But then there's Road Warrior, which kind of takes the concept, the idea, and maybe some of the characterization of Mad Max and then moves it into a whole new realm. Like, like it's not a direct sequel, and there's a huge jump there to figure out what happened right. from this point to that point. And then, and then Beyond Thunderdome doesn't even factor into the equation. But then Fury Road is, like, the next jump. So, like, you know, in, I think it's Road Warrior where they're like, oh, uh, he, he's got, the, like, a V8 Interceptor. Or like, and they're, like, like, crazy about his car. In Fury Road, there's, like, a religion where people are, like, praying to steering wheels. So it's like, we've taken this concept and then we've bloomed it up into Road Warrior. And now we've bloomed it up again into Fury Road even though the movie itself is a smaller, more focused thing. Like, it's not just, like, adding in more plot, which is what I liked about it. They just developed the world more. They developed the world more. Oh, totally. They, and they, it feels totally they developed the world out. more by showing you less. Yeah, like, and if you, you want to, like, dive in, you can find out. Yeah, But yeah. if you don't want to dive in, it's just a good film. It's a good yeah. story, you know? What I keep hearing is that it's more about the female characters in the movie. I mean, there are is female that, characters in there, and yeah. they, they do play a major part in the plot, but I wouldn't say the movie bends to make that... Yeah. necessarily a point uh it, it makes sense because uh the movie opens with like this this near like tribe like a uh, primal tribe the, the the people who basically worship steering wheels and have all these weird little nuances to their culture that you pick up on as you're watching the movie but it's almost entirely men so you know that implies an interesting question where did all the women go mm-hmm. and later see, in the so movie i can tell you where they went to see pitch perfect too yeah, that's true. <laughs> the same weekend <laughs> that's true. They so, show up you know it's not and not it makes sense. Like, no part of it, at least when I was watching it, no part of it was like, what? Why did they make that happen? Like, I thought, the entire time I was watching it, nothing stood out to me as they bent it to make it this way on purpose. No, but I think, I think Matt's right. I think, or at least the article you read is right. I think it's more about the female characters than it is about Max. Yeah. Max is sort That's of... That's true. He's sort of Max, who you already know, but he's not along for the ride, but he ends up sort of playing a part. You see it it's, through his eyes, it's, basically. It's weird, though, because, like... He's more of a Maxine... Well, it's <laughs> no, more like that, it's that about it's no. about the world and the events, right? Yeah. And and Max just happens to be present for said events. Yeah. And it also just happens that these particular events focus mostly around a group of women, right? But it it, it isn't necessarily a a women a woman thing. Like that it's weird and it's not like he's pushed to the side in favor of them being pushed ahead. It's like this is he just happens to be present for this event that's happening. And they have to work together. Yeah, so like I don't, it's it's really I think it's really subtle. <laughs> you can totally like take this off in a totally different direction because it sounds like, yeah, this guy has you know surprise orgy. His, why do I was thinking like you know his his wife and his his mother want to go to the mall and he just has to go with them. Yeah, <laughs> he just gets dragged along. He's present. He's just for the present shopping. for the for the activity. It wasn't his idea, but he's there for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I I'd have thought it was really good. I th- I think the best thing it does is it's it is very much pure action. Like it is. It really doesn't give you many moments to stop and recover. The, a couple times it does, but it's generally along with an actual event that the characters are trying to recover from as well. Um, and it's funny because 24 hours, basically 24 hours after I saw Mad Max, I watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, you missed out. And it, they're, they're both <sighs> trying to Star- do the same thing. Star- which are, starring Alan Richson, is who he also appears in... 
laser team. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm well, sure he, he was, did a wonderful But he job. was he was a turtle, right? So he was, he was, a turtle. he was they Which CGI'd was over he? him. He's the laser turtle. <laughs> oh, the laser turtle, that yes. one. Donatella. It was a perfect integration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but both are attempting to be action-oriented films, but while chaos was happening in Ninja Turtles, I felt nothing. And while chaos was happening in Fury Road, I was really viscerally, like, like involved and invested in what was going on. Pull back into your shell. I really, <laughs> I wanted to pull turtle. my head back in my shell. I, just, I, I was just glued to the screen. Like, I couldn't look away. That was the weird thing. Like, I was just like, I was so, just, everything was beautiful. I was just like, it just. So before we ruin um, this movie for yeah. Matt, we gotta um, end this podcast. Ruin? Yeah. We gotta end it. My favorite go. part is at the end oh, when. Uh, real quick, we gotta read the sponsorship. This episode brought to you by Ninja Turtles, starring <laughs> Alan Richson. Rich, Rich, how do you say his last name? Uh, Johnny Knoxville. Shredder's in it. it. Really botched. Johnny Knoxville's in it. Megan Fox and um, Will Arnett. And Alan Rickman. And oh Alan yeah, Will Rickman. Arnett. Oh boy, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a different movie. Yeah. Alan Rickman was in Lazy Team. Starring Steve. It's like... And Ike Turner. Don Bopper and Death. He's one of the turtles, he just shows yeah. up. It's like, Michelangelo! Raphael! Leonardo! Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Alan He's wearing a, a Walmart Ninja Turtle costume. <laughs> standing there. Oh no, not again. <laughs> It's All right, well. Oh, we should end. Sorry. Yeah, yes. thanks for listening, guys. Catch cool. you next week. Thanks for coming, James. Smell you later. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be Ooh, here. That's Aww. a new catchphrase. Yeah. Have me back anytime. No, Matt's classic catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a shirt, John. R.I.P.